writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. Welcome to Right Pack Radio. This is David Allen Lucas, your host, author of mystery, science fiction, horror, and poetry. Today, the Right Pack is going to dig into the tropes of the science fiction and fantasy genres. With me today is... Kathleen Kayembe. I write fiction, specifically urban fantasy and paranormal romance, under the pen name Kaseket and Vita. And until the Star Wars novel series were um, retconned, I was a Jedi Knight. <laughs> I'm Brad R. Cook, uh, author, publisher, and president of St. Louis Writers Guild. Uh, I write a lot of steampunk, so uh, I like the science fiction fantasy genres. I'm Melanie Claney, and I write science fiction and fantasy, and um, my nonfiction is science work mostly. So, I'm Jennifer Stolzer. I write fantasy, but I indulge in science fiction. I also <laughs> illustrate any and all of those things. Okay, and let me explain Kathleen's comment to the to the audience. As um, many of you know, we actually record these in an Aram a week or two later. And today, as we record them, this is May 4th. Star- Happy oh, Star Wars oh. Day. May the 4th be with you. And Hooray. also with you. I think that's science fiction and fantasy, so that works. That is science it fiction is. and fantasy. Yeah, that's actually blends the two together quite well. So, what are the tropes? First off, what's a trope? I mean, let, let, let's take it back to the basics, because no, we don't always know everything that our listeners may or may not, at what level our listeners are, may or may not be at. So, just real fast, what's a trope? I would call a trope a commonly seen trend in a specific genre. I would agree. I'd agree with that. Either that be a type of character, a type of setting... Plot point. A plot point. And the same trope can exist across different genres... But some of them are very specific to a genre. It's like if you see this trope, it almost defines it as it has to be this genre, at least in part. Elves you, pretty much make fantasy. Yeah. Would you consider, um, I guess, cliche phrasing as also a sort of trope, or is that different? It can be. I, I think it depends. Well, I think there's a difference between a cliche and a trope. Yeah. What that exactly some is, tropes, you, you might want to go to Webster to find out. <laughs> some tropes can be cliches. But yes. not all cliches are tropes. I would go with that. That's a that's a good one. It's the square Excellent. and rectangle phenomenon. But yeah. I, I don't think all tropes are cliches either. So no. it, it's an no, overlapping sure. category. Yeah. And just for before we get started, beyond what we're where we're at, almost every genre has its own trope. And let me ask this question: So science fiction and fantasy are technically separate genres, but they get blended so much so often together. If you write a blended blended story, say, for example, Star Wars, since we mentioned Star Wars a moment ago, which is science fantasy, do the tropes of both genres get added into the storyline? Depends. Not all tropes from both genres. I think that almost defines the blending. Mm-hmm. Because if you have, if anything goes, well, for instance, Artemis Fowl. Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, I think it's young adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Artemis Fowl, I think, is primarily a fantasy work with technology added in. So it would be blended, but it's more fantasy than science fiction. It's basically fantasy with some neat gadgets added into it. Because they have all of the tropes of fantasy. Anything that works in fantasy would go in there. But, you know. Okay, so what are the tropes of science fiction and what are the tropes of fantasy? Can we hit all of them? I don't think that's Let's just hit some major ones. We can hit some of the big ones. If you have spaceships, it's probably science fiction. If you have airships, it's most likely fantasy. No, but airships can be science fiction, too. Magic, fantasy. Definitely. Unless we're talking about Star Wars. Which is science fantasy. (laughs) Midichlorians, let's not But that's the fantasy part of Star Wars, is the force. Other planets are usually science fiction, but that's also one that can be fantasy. Other worlds can be fantasy, mm-hmm. but then it can also be science fiction if we're talking a parallel universe. Theory. Now, if you have a metal sword, you're probably in a fantasy world. However, if you have a sword of energy, you're probably in a science fiction. Alternate history? Uh, um, that's usually fantasy, see, fantasy but that can fall no, no, See, that's something else, I think. That's not necessarily a trope. No, no. Uh, it's in a genre. research, yeah, it's a genre. I feel like it's a subgenre. Of yeah, it's subgenres are It's a subgenre of fantasy from what I researched a little while ago, although it may change. Oh, Depending okay. on how you do it, it could also be done as a sci-fi. For instance, well, an alternate dimension that's very can. similar to ours, but history went a little okay, different. I write steampunk, so I, I really sit in this blended world. If I am in an alternate dimension with crazy levels of technology then that steampunk is probably more science fiction. Mm-hmm. However, if I'm in the past, in the 1800s, and I've got magic and all this other stuff coming up, as well as, you know, steam and airships and all that's mm-hmm. probably more fantasy. But it's a real blending of the two. And I, as you said, mm-hmm. I mean, anything can be anything when you want to make it that way. The question is, what are the, the, the tropes of each specifically? Right. Okay, fairies are fantasy, aliens are sci-fi. Almost okay. always. I'll go with that. Um... <laughs> A good reason why talking about blending with the tropes. Years ago, I was said a wizard was a trope of fantasy. Yeah. But let's take a look at two examples used in science fiction or science fantasy. Jedi's are technically tropes, are technically wizards in science fantasy. It's a wizard and a samurai mixed together. Yeah. In the case, medieval knight. Yeah. You're right. Or, yeah, Samurai, med- Medieval Knights. Well, the only knight. reason that they have lightsabers is because Medieval Knights would carry swords. Right. Well, yeah, oh, that's so all the, the samurai, samurai, but it's based off the Samurai. Mm. Which is, the robes are very samurai Space fantasy, then. Right. Well, it's, yeah. a sci-fi, it's a sci-fantasy. Yeah. Here's science fiction. If you remember Babylon 5, especially the spin-off Crusade, they had techno-mages. These were wizards that used science to make it look like magic. Yeah, Babylon 5, I would define as pretty much pure sci-fi because there was an implied... There was an implied reason for everything magical that happened that was based in the real world and the real physics. Mm -hmm. We didn't understand it. We We don't understand the Vorlons that look like angels, but they're an advanced alien species. They're not really angels. Um... What you just uh, when you mentioned Babylon Five, you made me think of somebody else. Oh, Dune. Dune. Dune is most definitely sci-fi, but they have elements of it that you would 
recognize more as fantasy, but the way they do it makes it sci-fi. So it sounds like then some of these tropes overlap clearly yeah. in a lot of different ways, and it depends on the spin you have, the driving force Which of your is story. Why it's such blending. And really, characters can also be tropes, and characters especially. The same type of character can show up in multiple genres beyond sci-fi and mm-hmm. fantasy. You can get the hero-type character the in, yeah, in sci-fi and fantasy and mysteries and action-adventures. And Yeah, but that's not a trope. That's a character type. So. Okay. Because a character be a type, well, you, but a character type can be used in almost any genre. You can have a hero in any genre. You can um, have a mentor in any genre. But a hero's quest is more often in fantasy than in. Some you could look at love, eat, pray, love as a hero's quest. Yeah. Um, uh, how about I venture to suggest that groups of characters together can be a trope? Hmm. Scooby Gang. Like, the Scooby Gang could be a trope. You know, the smart uh-huh. one, the ditzy one, the leader. <sighs> The rogue with the sidekick. The rogue with the heart of gold. But even that seems to be genre bumping because the whole idea of calling them the Scooby Gang, that the (laughs) the wise sage, Mm -hmm. the hero on a quest, the young boy hero, the young boy, the farm boy, the farm boy on a quest. It's like the uh, the sage. The sage would be an archetype. The cryptic sage that never quite gives you all the answers. That would be a trope, I would think. Hmm. Going back to the Scooby Gang, I would have said yes to that being a trope and to science fiction and fantasy because really that the Scooby-Doo was kind of mystery fantasy. Yeah, it was mystery Yeah, mystery targeted because the monsters were never real. Right. Not to, not to ruin any children but they were pulled the mask off on every episode. But in all honesty that trope is used in other shows to, for example Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to get into mystery but there's, there's, and of course, the Scooby zone. Gang was specifically <laughs> what uh, the Buffy Gang mm-hmm. was referred yep. to. That's why, yeah, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. which was speaking of something that's pure fantasy. Okay, so or would fantasy you, horror. Would you call the a robot? Where would that fall into play? Almost always <laughs> in science fiction, but of course there are always exceptions. Mm-hmm. I can think not... of Gollum being a Gollum. Not Gollum. Gollum being... Gollum is the fantasy version of a robot. Fantasy version of a robot. Yeah, It's not the robot that counts. It's how you handle it. Hmm. Well, here, real quick, let me throw out... It's not the pointy-eared The actual definition of a trope. (laughs) So there are are a couple. Uh, One is uh, a word or expression used in a figurative speech. A figure of speech. Um, A common or overused theme or device. A cliché. Um, a phrase or verse added as an embellishment or an interp- interpolation to the sung parts of the Mass of, in the Middle Ages, which is not exactly probably what we're going to do here. <laughs> right. like, let's forget so about let's, that let's definition. let's stick to one A and B, but yeah. So saving the world, saving the universe is usually definitely science fiction fantasy. Yeah. Not exclusively, not exclusively but, but yeah. Usually. The sci-fi and fantasy genres blend so often because they have that epic element to them. Yes, right. The stories tend to happen to a, a small group of people who then have to go on a universe or world-spanning quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes whatever is happening to them is also happening to the rest of the world. In fact, that happens quite a bit. You know, we're looking at a small group of characters, but if the whole world is in danger and the whole world think, may or uh, may not know it. I think the point I'm making is that it's rarely about the king. Sometimes it is, but usually they leave their throne and go on an adventure with a small party of people. Hmm. 
You brought up the king. I was curious about subgenres because oh. I wanted to address those. Like just with fantasy, for example, you have high fantasy and you have things like paranormal investigation or urban fantasy. And I think the tropes for those are usually very different. Actually, before we do do that, because I do want to go into that, one trope I just had to think about as um, Jennifer was talking, instantaneous travel, Ooh. be it the warp drive, teleportation, magic portals, magical magic portals, portals. etc. That's also a trope of the science fiction fantasy. Now to you, what you were talking about, high fantasy versus urban fantasy versus well, science fantasy. Versus you can just break it there, you know, yeah. Yeah. the high fantasy, urban fantasy, are your two big genres of fantasy. High fantasy is defined by elves, magic, a lack of technology, those kinds of things. Uh, urban fantasy is obviously set in a city. It's set in the now. It's set mm-hmm. here. Maybe it's five na- years from now. Maybe it was five years ago. But it's somewhere in the now. There the tropes are different, but they in overlap. a lot of ways they're the same. You're still probably going to have the hero's quest. You're probably still going to have the mentoring you know, type characters. You're still going to have a lot of those things. It's the setting that really changes, and it's the way the character interacts that changes. This sounds like tropes with a thousand faces. Tropes yes. with a thousand faces, yes. And one thing, though, I'm going to say with fantasy, and I could be way off, because fantasy is not, I love to read it, but it's not my genre to write necessarily. A lot of times a fantasy be villains, be it the paper-thin villains or the main villains, are usually drawn from somewhere from mythology. Elves, dwarves, goblins, hobgoblins. Those hob are directly. Goblins. Those are directly, yes. And I'm choosing those on purpose for that for But that I can reason. think of a B-grade horror movie set in the modern day that features one of each of those. <laughs> <laughs> so is horror part of fantasy? There's an elf or science movie? fiction. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'll send you a link. And no. It's Christmas Depending themed, on the author. Of course. And the story. Yeah, so, for instance, I think horror... If you draw, I think it's called a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If you have all these circles, the circles all overlap, but no, it's not completely contained in it. Because I can think of horror movies. Oh, for instance, right over there on the bookshelf, or right there is a Stephen King novel that um, I haven't read it, so there might be some fantasy elements in it. There isn't a whole lot of Stephen King novels. But the point is, the setup just from the jacket cover looked like it was very, very clearly horror, but didn't look like it was fantasy at all. It looked, you know, the... For instance, Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Horror with no fantasy in it whatsoever. Well, that was actually a horror thriller. But, yeah. <laughs> we seem to be steering yeah, a little hard into the we horror section. Direct us back to what we're doing. No, but there is a lot of fantasy that overlaps with horror. In fact, well, all these terrible... The beauty part of science fiction and fantasy is that they overlap with almost every other genre. You can have mm-hmm. romance science fiction, mystery science fantasy, fiction, which is you can have mystery. You can have a ton of it. That's the beauty part of science fiction and fantasy. It allows you to go into all these various yeah, I can't. So how do we focus, then, on just... Well, what do you call straight-up sci-fi and straight-up fantasy, then? Well, well I mean, no, it's part... So, for instance... Oh, no, no. Sorry. The thing is that the tropes for every genre can so easily blend in sci-fi and fantasy. How do you just separate the oh. ones that are strictly in those genres and that you will not find in, say, um, contemporary realistic fiction? For instance, an elf, if an elf is in your story as an elf, 
it is a fantasy story. It might also be another type of story. It might also be a mystery. It might also be a horror. It might also... But it's primary. Well, it not even necessarily primarily, but it is definitely, at least in part, a fantasy, because just because it has an elf in it. So what tropes would there be that you would definitely see in sci-fi, for example, you compared to... You wouldn't have to, but if it's there, okay. it's definitely that. Sci-fi has a very clear science element. Mm-hmm. That's why it's yeah. there. So the science alone... In fantasy, there, you're not you're not having to explain why magic comes across in a in a mathematical way. However, as a science fiction author, I do have to explain you don't have why to explain the warp drive it. comes in and goes around. You have to bring in those scientific elements. Now, does it have to be specific and real? No. The point is, is that you have to scientifically explain it. You have to, you have to imply there is an explanation based in science. Exactly. But the point is, it doesn't matter if it's a real explanation yeah. or not. The point is, is that you have scientifically explained it. Fantasy, on however, I can just say they cast magic and giant green blowing, glowing balls of light came out of their hand. I don't have to figure out why it didn't burn their hand. Yes, I don't yeah. have to figure out how all that happened. You have to follow to the rules point. of your universe. But I can do. I don't have to mathematically. I don't have to scientifically figure that out. I can just say that it's magic and that he's a magic user and he's got a barrier spell between him and that magical ball of light. So, if you take something like Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. would that be sci-fi? Yes, yes. because yes. they're using science, but whatever. Yeah. Yes. yes, that's that's classic pure science fiction. And if you have something like a. I think Michael Crichton wrote a book called The Cell. I don't remember exactly. It was about um, disease. Yeah, I remember that one. Michael, that's, 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 I, the movie had a different Would that title. again be um, Contagion? sci-fi? Andromeda's Contagion. Strain. Yeah, Andromeda's Strain. Yeah. And that was, that was science fiction. I, I think everything... I don't think and Michael Crichton's good, written fantasy. But does anything... No, he, no not Technically, fantasy. if you want to look, The 13th Warrior has some very fanciful oh, elements. sorry. Yes. I didn't read Or I should say Eaters of the Dead. Yeah. I'm trying to suss out what makes something sci-fi versus... Not like versus well, literary in this case. Oh, forget Jen, about literary. <laughs> I'm gonna let Jen go first, and then I've got something to say to that answer. All right. We uh, might you might cover it. Go ahead. We'll take for example uh, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park is a science fiction because we took the knowledge we have in the present day, and we're applying it toward sort of a more fanciful end. We we're, we took DNA and the whole frog thing, and then we bred it into eggs, and they grew up, and now we're using science to kind mm-hmm. of even down to the lysine contingency. They found a way scientifically to hopefully uh-huh. shut them down. Now, if I wanted to take that into a fantasy world, which you can, uh-huh. a, wait, there's there's dinosaurs. Where do the dinosaurs come from? The lost world, you know, the old lost world. They lived on. They came from the inside the planet. They came uh-huh. from inside the planet. Lived on a plateau uh, down in you know Latin America, uh-huh. and it's uh, it's a fantasy element now. Not yeah. because we're concerned about explaining where it came from. Because we're dealing with them as an issue, they're still a very important part of the story, but the focus isn't on so strongly on the science aspect. I think Jen just really did a really good job describing on science fiction, and I'm going to jump with that and define, define how science fiction should work, and I underline the word should versus fantasy. In the world of science fiction, if you break science, you're doing it intelligently. You're doing it where it's rational and with the plausibility of it being possible. But in general, the story lies with the, within the laws of science, as it is known at that time with a possible projection of a futuristic view of what it could turn into. I mean, I'm using Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Absinoff, and so forth when I say it that way. 
Now, are there science fiction stories that break that? Yes. <laughs> Usually you see them as movies, and I'm going to shut up because I can go off on them. Fantasy, on the other hand, does not rely on the laws of science. It may rely on the laws of its own world, of its own magic behind that, but there is no specific law that it must maintain in the proverbial real world. I am not sure I explained my question very well. Okay, that's fine. Take two. It sounds to me like science fiction, what separates it from, say, your general run-of-the-mill literary fiction that is not science fiction or fantasy, but has, say, a doctor in it or a scientist and experimenting going on, is that science fiction takes what we know now and extrapolates? Is that there is usually? a the possibility? No, no, that's that's exactly what it is. What separates science fiction from any fiction is the fact that it is it is extrapolating on what might be possible and pushing it forward in some way. So if you've just got a book about you know the latest in medical technology saving people's lives, you know all the cybernetic elements that can go into that. That's not necessarily a science fiction book. The reason being is is that it's all taking place here in the now. It's all possible now. That could be a very literary novel that has absolutely nothing to do with science fiction. Now, you push that into a realm where we are beyond what is today, and that's science fiction. Um, I read a book. It was actually a mystery that is just pushed that a little bit beyond. Mm-hmm. I actually bought this book not at uh, at a conference, and it wasn't at a writer's conference. It was at a neuroscience conference, and the author was actually a PhD. But um, this book was uh, the somebody had been murdered, and they were trying to figure out, this was a bit contrived, I know, but uh, how he was murdered. And it turned out he was murdered by a poison, and the poison administration method was something that, at the time, we couldn't do it today. We, uh, then when I got the book seven years ago. We couldn't do it, but we were very close. Now we could actually administer poison that way. And the scientist, well, that's what he was working on, so he knew that. So I wouldn't really call that science fiction. That would be sort of like science of tomorrow, it, it, even though it was very central it's to the story. fiction with a heavy science element. Yeah. Just real quick, I'm going to take what, take what both of you said, but especially focusing on Brad's statement, and let me take it to a, state, to a little step beyond. With science fiction, sometimes also, too, they're playing with, I don't want to use the word fringe, because that's called up the wrong word, but brand new theories or brand new hypotheses that have not been proven yet. And I'm going to use two examples, both dealing with the same hypothesis at the time. That was one of the Star Trek episodes, the original series, they got the science wrong with it, with it being involving a planet versus a star, but it was the naked, naked time. And that dealt with the idea of a black hole. Later, Disney created an entire movie, which as a kid I absolutely loved, called The Black Hole, and also was dealing around with that. Good the, robot. The, exactly. The, ro- the black hole at the time was a hypothesis, if I'm correct with what I'm about to say, was put forth by Stephen Hawking and was laughed at by most of the science community. Well, we know now, all these years later, who was right with that laughter and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. Anna, Jen, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't well, know if I'm I was, oh, okay. But the, um, yeah, 
The other thing is science fiction is really big in this, and I think it's bigger than fantasy. They take it forward. Another branch of it is, okay, we have this brand new technology. Let's take it forward in time. What are the implications of this? So, for instance, this technology, uh, I'll just go with an easy one for me. Lois McMaster Bourgeois, she has different planets. She writes hardcore sci-fi, but in each of her worlds, She's kind of experimented with a different form of government taken to the extreme and seen what realistically could happen, but also technology taken to an extreme. So, for instance, she has something in her books called a uterine replicator, artificial uterus. So what are the social implications when 80% of the population uses something that's not inside a person to have children? What are the realistic implications of that? And there's one of the huge tropes of science fiction is technology either being abused or taken too far. Oh. By the way, neither of those were how she does it. This is just how reality well, is and how well, realistic that's I mean, one of the point. benefits yeah. of science fiction yeah. and fantasy is that you can explore. Yes. And and that's something that is unique and a trope of both genres because mm-hmm. you have the ability to explore various types of mm-hmm. government, various ways of people interacting that you can't necessarily do in other genres. A mystery has to kind of be set in this day and age, kind of has to fill in, you know, your classic mysteries have right. to run in a certain way. Yeah, the un- If they don't, the they're kind of blurring with then science fiction or fantasy. Well, or historical for, fiction. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to disagree with that only to this element. And I don't mean it, the blending of science fiction with mystery that I could have gone with. More recent mystery genre, the CSI type, that's playing with the science of forensics. Yeah, but I'm talking about her yeah, comment but, on right. you know using science fiction and fantasy to explore various right. aspects of government, True. of people, of interactions. Mm-hmm. You know that is something that is in, you can do other elements with mystery. Mm-hmm. You can explore other elements with mystery stuff like that. Right. But you know, in terms of science fiction and fantasy, it's a it's a, one of the tropes is using government in a mm-hmm. you know unique way. Showing governments in unique ways. Well, the, uh, you know, I'm, it's dangerous to walk down the whole true crime mystery, because uh-huh. we're going to talk about that at a later date. Exactly. But uh, bringing us back to sci-fi, just that everything can go in to, you know, you know like, mm-hmm. if we have a CSI element, well, almost human was CSI yes. with a science fiction bend. It was looking at our world today, and it says so in the opening, Technology is advancing faster than uh, crime fighting can keep up. Right. So that's why we're experimenting with all these different, uh, these all these different tools, i.e., the robots, Mm -hmm. to try and keep up with crime as it evolves faster than we can. But yet, and that's kind of the angle of the show. The show isn't. Let's stop the bad guy and use current forensics for what we can Correct. have. Yeah. Let's it not have is, the robot stop every bad guy. Yeah, it is going instead toward what could technology do. That's like their focus. And then our team of cops and robots with the cops uh, are working to explore that idea mm-hmm. throughout the episodes. And iRobot and also, itself on Isaac Abzanoff does not quite the same thing, but once again, Very it's not so much about the mystery. It's mm-hmm. more about... Science fiction. Go ahead. I feel like Almost Human, which I adore, is very much mm-hmm. yes, is very <laughs> much about the relationship between not just um, crime and crime fighters, but the the people who are in the police force and the 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 androids that they have to deal with 
and their changing perceptions or lack of, you know, regard for them. Well, you know, fiction in general is a way for humans to imagine the world of the future. And science fiction is a way to imagine the world of future technology and what that means. So there were clones in the fictional world well before there were clones in the human world. And there have been all sorts of cloned humans in the science fiction world. But we know other fiction does this for non-science fiction stuff. There's black presidents on TV before we had a black president. You know? He's mixed, thank you. Just um, like some of us here. <laughs> okay. I'll say uh, those, just really quickly, those dumb Android wristwatch phones. Where did we first see those? Dick, Dick Tracy. Tracy. Dick Tracy, Star Trek, Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. We've been raised looking at wrist phones, and some part of us have always wanted to say, you know, Scotty, beam me up yes. into your phone, even if it is a wholly impractical device. And finally, they gave it to and me. One thing, I have, My flying car is coming Jen. soon. Jen, you brought up something that is a trope, and before I get to that, mm. um, I do want to say real quickly, I think it was Ray Bradbury who said, science fiction is the last genre that allows a philosopher to roam freely or something very close to that Hmm. but what you just said a lot of times science fiction it's tropes Mm -hmm. it's universe inspires the future scientists yes the future engineers our modern day cell phones came based on star trek Mm -hmm. yep um that's why they flipped open yeah the (laughs) ipod came from star trek the holodeck, basically. Mm-hmm. Your modern-day virtual reality games came from science fiction. There are documentaries. You can find them. Yes. Whereas fantasy, I think, more I inspires... I do, too. We're getting there. Science fiction... Yeah, we're getting close. Outside my brain, around. though. <laughs> science fiction, I, I mean, fantasy, fantasy, I think, more inspires the... LARPing. LARPing. I was going to go more with the... Love of the modern day fairy tale. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's no, more, no. Fantasy is the modern day fairy tale. There is no. I mean, it's that's also a great way retelling of, of mythology. Yes, it is. I've been. I want to know if we could like. I feel like some of us, um, some of the things we brought up have been a little vague or general, mm-hmm. and I feel like we should maybe list some more specifics, but. Being as I cannot stay on a single topic for any given amount of time, I figured maybe having more structure would help. Um, Like, is there a sci-fi film story or a fantasy film story that we've all, that we're all familiar with enough to just kind of pick out what is there? In honor of Star Star Wars Day, Day. we should pick Star Wars. All right. A New Hope. Let's stick to A New Hope. (laughs) Are we doing the fantasy tropes or the sci-fi tropes? Because it's got both. We will start with, yeah, we'll start with both. We can... Start with both, and if you're looking for a good fantasy, then I would recommend pulling apart The Hobbit. We can do that next. So, but yeah, when you start with Star Wars, you know, if you if you take a look at it, it is very classically a science fiction. It has spaceships; they fly through space. Uh, there is a lot of science and technology that comes through it in terms of the hollow imaging that they have, the force fields that they have, the uh, repulsor lift technology that they've got that makes the uh, land speeders go and the, droid, the, droid, the droids they've got you know I mean, come on, R2-D2 is the hero of that yeah. novel the aliens yes, aliens and alien cultures yeah they mm-hmm. have a bunch of aliens so that's all classically science fiction yeah boom put a nice box around it and you're done now the fantasy elements come in in the sense of you've got and they call them wizards. Han calls, you know, uh-huh. Obi-Wan a wizard. Uh-huh. That old wizard, you know, I mean, it's, I guess it's uh, Uncle Ben who does that. Yeah, Jedi Knight. But, so you've got that. You've got the 
the notion of the force, this mystical, you know, magical power that can invade people's minds and lift them up off the ground and shoot lightning and other stuff like that. One thing, and then I'm going to let Brad keep but that, going. Sorry, I'm going to say, that's classically fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then with that, there has been recent science, believe it or not, looking into the idea of the force actually really existing, being dark dark energy yeah. or dark matter. Well, so, there's a far the, better explanation than the one they gave us. In- there is something that fills <laughs> that up mean? the space True. between us. What is that? Mm-hmm. Lucas called it the force. It, right. It, you know, the Yoda's got the classic line about what the force is from Empire Strikes Back, about how the force is around us. It surrounds us. It penetrates us. Mm-hmm. You know, binds the galaxy together. If exactly. it's dark matters, does that mean that any use of the force? No, is dark energy. The dark energy. Dark side. No, 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 it just refers to it. You can't see it. Yeah, dark only refers to this as you can't yeah, see the, it. The term we're using, dark matter, is not in Star Wars world. It's in our, real world. Our world. I was drawing a ridiculous parallel that's not actually one. Yeah. Okay. yeah. With the yeah. word dark. It, it's not Sith. <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> I, I know so not do everybody. use it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the rule we just said a second ago because I want to point out something. Star Wars blends a lot of the fantasy into the science fiction. Yes. Some of us have seen this TV show, Babylon 5. I mentioned it a moment ago. It is more heavier on the science fiction, but there is a blending of fantasy into it, especially the Arthurian myth is constantly mentioned, and the Lord of the Rings trilogy is in there as well. And that, I, I'm not going to blow and the story. And 1984 is in there, too. Is that just playing off your but, audience, though? But but I'm really talking about more the fantasy. 1984, actually, I'd call science fiction. Yeah. Um, so there, It's dystopian. Yeah, it is dystopian. <laughs> but you can blend back and forth. That's one of the fun things about science fiction and fantasy. But back with Star Wars, now back behaving myself here, the fantasy aspects of it, as... As um, Brad just said, you've got the wizard. You've got magic in the sense of how the force is used. You also have a religious aspect to it. All fantasy, at least all every fantasy I've ever read, be it whatever kind of fan, whatever kind of religion is in there, there is a religious aspect to it. And I don't mean it as in Christianity versus Islam versus Judaism. I am talking more like mythological. Mystical or mysticism. No, I meant mythological. Okay. The Norse myth, which actually, Lord of the Rings, and if you are into Wagner, the um, Rheingold Rheingold Saga, which starts with Das Rheingold, or Das Rheingold, (laughs) sorry, Die Valkyrie, Valkyrie, Siegfried, and Guten Damerong, which was the Star Wars of its day, all came from the same Norse myth of Vasgard the Vaslong and the fall of the Nibelungans. And I know most of you just went blank face and said, huh? That was yeah. an ancient Viking yeah, saga. Gesundheit. <laughs> yes. I can make up words too. <laughs> Harry Potter, which is fantasy, is based on? Magic. Magic? I got the answer wrong. Well... <laughs> But there is, there is a more magic is good versus evil. Go ahead. Okay, bringing it back to Star Wars. Yes. Um, the actual storyline of Star Wars mm-hmm. is incredibly fantasy set. Very much so. And, and that, that, I think, is where you really get... You have a fantasy story told in a science fiction universe. That's, that's really what Star Wars is. You have the farm boy... 
mm-hmm. who ends up getting a mentor. He gets a sword. He, he goes after. He goes on a quest. That quest then has to deal with his own inner demons and his own past. He rescues and bring a princess. Him back. He rescues a princess. He kisses her and realizes he should not have. Well, she yeah. kisses him. She kissed him. So there's that. But yeah. Anyway, the whole point is is that this is a classic fantasy storyline. I mean, we have yeah. just described the Arthurian tales, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Wagner tales. Speaking of someone tales, kissing their sister. You know, the Norse myths. <laughs> we've we've mentioned yeah. a lot of these. And it, they all fall into what Lucas then pulled from to write Star Wars. Correct. And that all came from Joseph Campbell's books. Yes. Hero with a Thousand Faces being yeah. one of them. Yes. Which if you hadn't read it, I, I don't know. You need to. Read it. Um, the Star Wars uh, universe is, it sounds very much like a blend of sci-fi and fantasy, and the angles at which the story predominantly moves, like the angles that the uh, that Lucas is coming from kind of determine what kind of, what side of the line the tropes fall on. I'm not making sense. So it's it's how you tell it depending yes. on what kind of story it is. Yes, but what about more like a, a harder sci-fi? Okay, Arthur it's C. Not... Clarke. Yeah, go to Arthur C. Clarke. Probably one of the hardest sci-fi yeah. guys. Um, Arthur C. Clarke, two thousand one, two thousand. Okay, let's go with that one. Beautiful. 2000, yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two thousand one, and that entire four book series. Two thousand ten, two thousand sixty four, two thousand sixty four, which almost made me fall out of a hammock when I read it. And three thousand and one, or there's another one too. I can't, I've I've read. It, I just can't remember. It. I have not read it. Um, in there, the tropes are aliens. You don't really see them. They have created this machine, the that, monolith, the monolith, which actually messes with oh. humanity and its um, evolution. It turns Jupiter. Okay, warning to anybody who has not read this. Read this series. I am giving spoiler alerts. Why would you do that? Yeah, it, well, because I'm using. No, it's okay. I haven't read it. I want to know. <laughs> it, take, it turns the turns Jupiter into a second sun. That's Jupiter, 2010, though. Well, yeah, that's 2000. I'm going through the entire four. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. Goes into th- and it goes into that. The theory behind that was that the that Jupiter could have been a brown dwarf and just failed to ignite. In 2064. Takes the idea that Jupiter, its core, is highly compressed carbon, and thus a mount, a shard of that core blasts into Europa, which they were told by the aliens not to land on, and this shard is larger than Mount Everest. Now, what's highly compressed carbon? This is what almost made me fell all the... Um, it's Hammer. diamond, right? Diamond. Best friend. So okay, now getting back to 2001, we have the AI. We yeah, have the HAL 2000. <laughs> I was getting to that. Stick to 2001 because most people have probably seen that movie. Okay. <laughs> 2001, you've got the AI, which is the computer HAL based on IBM at the time. Yep. Um, if you look at the name HAL and you look at IBM, you'll see that, that the character were off by one off. Um, you have spaceships that travel at relativistic speed. You have the iPad. You have the iPad. You have Skype, if you want to use modern-day terms. Mm-hmm. You have Moonbase. 
bases on other plants and other the moon base. You have a zero well G. A, you have a zero G toilet that looks a lot more comfortable than what the astronauts are using. They'll get there. Yeah. Oddly yeah. packaged food for space. Uh, right. Yeah. Prepackaged food for space. Um, you have Velcro being used to walk around. Um, that that is the entire trip up to the moon base by Floyd. Um, sorry, I couldn't think of the character's name for a second. Um, you have cryogenic sleep. You have a primitive version of the internet. He gets a few of the a lot of the details wrong. Let's put it that way. But you have it. <laughs> hey, and remember, when was this being written, and when did the internet come about? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. So go ahead. So, how closely does the science in a sci-fi story have to adhere to what we know before it becomes it, more it, borderline fantasy? It doesn't. It just has to have an explanation that it that passes plausibility. Okay. So here's something that does blend, mm-hmm. that is sort of fantasy. It's sort of like a, a, a what is it? Um, t- uh, Adams. Um, um, oh, Doug Adams. Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams. No, Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now that has huge. That sort of it has so much satire in it. Yeah. It's sort of like it's the satire of sci-fi, sort of. Um, because his technology doesn't make sense, but it's not supposed to make sense, and that's almost the point. But, you know. Now, I know not everybody's read this series, but Frederick Pohl, who is a very classic science fiction author, still, last I looked, he was still alive and writing. He has a series of books, but one book that I remember from it called Gateway, played with computers being psychologists. And I don't want to give away the story, because it's a beautifully written story, well worth the read. But now let's look at modern day. This was written, oh God, at least early 80s, maybe late 70s. Um, but now modern day, what do we have? WebMD. We've got internet searches. Well, one of the tropes of science fiction has yes. always been the looking ahead... I mean, if you if you look back at the earliest, you know, H. science Wells. fictions like H.G. Wells, I mean, a lot of what H.G. put down came to be, a right. lot of what Asimov put down came to be, a lot of what Clark put down came to be, a lot of what, you know, is being done now most likely will come to be. I mean, there's even talk that we might even be able to make a lightsaber at some point in the mm-hmm. near future. So, it, the, the <laughs> point is, is that, science, you know, one of the tropes of science fiction has always been seeing what is plausible and extrapolating off of that and going forward and pushing it. I mean, in essence, you know, we almost do the same thing in, in fantasy with steampunk, but we do it in reverse. Mm-hmm. We look back, we say what was plausible then, and we push that out. And now that gets called fantasy, but it's in essence the same thing. But there are two tropes. Now there's a third path. The third path is aliens come, for instance. This is just an example of the third trope. We're not doing ancient aliens. No, no, no but aliens come today. And they have technology that is nothing like ours. So that's still sci-fi, and their technology could still make sense, but it's not an extrapolation of where we are today. It's a completely different basis. So that's where you could go, you know, go back, let's say the steam engine... Well, no, that's a bad example for what I was trying to do. But um, go back and let's say airplanes. There are two designs of an airplane, and the one we have has a tail. There is another design that doesn't need a tail. What if that had taken off? And what if on this alien world they use that type of airplane? Oh, you said taken off. Yes, about uh-huh. planes. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, I was thinking about Sharon Shin's Alleluia Files series. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first book, 
of the series, which is the one I've read, and it was marvelous, thank you. Um, you find out in the prologue that um, this world, its basis is sci-fi. There is an alien, well, not an alien ship, there is a ship that um, came to this world to colonize, basically. Mm -hmm. So the people who are on the planet are supposed to basically keep in touch with the ship in a specific set of ways mm -hmm. so that the ship does not kill them all because it thinks something bad has happened. Um, but the story itself is fantasy because mm -hmm. by the time the story proper begins, no one remembers the ship. They think it is the gods and they see everything as a kind of mystical ritual. They don't have the kind of science the ship has. Oh, I would call that still sci-fi. That sci-fi... No, the uh, if you read the book, you'd see it's very much oh, okay. fantasy. Mm -hmm. I feel like this an, is a Star Wars in reverse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And use an example. Use another example that most of our listeners and all of you who's sitting here should know that uses it is sci-fi technically, very much it's similar. People from actually humans come from a, come from Earth to another planet. They settle. They end up losing their knowledge of where they're from. I think and I know that, where you're going. And that is called the Pern. Oh. Chronicles. Um, Dragon Riders of Pern, the Dolphin Riders of Pern, and so forth. Same thing. What's the tropes? In that case, the fan, the magic comes from recreating technology. The evil, if you will, the threads, if I remember, it's been a long time since I read that, but, they, but when one planet gets close to another one, these alien things are falling from one planet to another one, and they have to go around and the humans riding dragons go around burning the threads before it destroys their world. And a lot of that trope, once again, trope, saving the world. Trope, technology being the solution or the possible solution to the ills of the world. Number three is that technology affects on society. What? What was the quote about um, any uh, sufficiently advanced technology seeming to be magic? Yes. I, well, that was I've very close to the quote, and I forget yeah. who said it. Well, Arthur C. Clarke? Who was it? I think it's either C. Clarke or Carl Sagan or one of those guys. All right. I know Arthur C. Clarke used it. I, I would not doubt Carl Sagan. I know that... I can never pronounce his name. It but was used in Star Trek too, but Star Trek uh -huh. was quoting someone else. And, and Babylon I, 5 used it as like, well with Technomages. Yes. Basically with that, um, it seems like for that, if we say saw um, someone like Dr. Doom, because I'm happy and I love things, Dr. Doom, is his technology uh -huh. is far advanced of what you know mm -hmm. everybody else in the world has pretty much. So he seems like this dark wizard. But mm -hmm. no, it's just tech. We're not smart enough to know how it's used. Q. Q is still sci-fi. Yeah. Even though he looks like magic because he's got powers beyond ours. But is that because of the Star Trek framework around Q? Like, if you put him in Lord of the Rings, would he be a wizard then? But is he, what, what's his tropes? Well, you have the wizard and, well, with Q, you have a wizard. With Doctor Doom, you have a wizard. But... Is it interpreted as a sci-fi trope or a fantasy trope? He's sci-fi. It's all tech. But the people who see him don't necessarily know it's yeah, tech. Yeah, but the, the way that it's written out, the way that it's done, is it's portrayed as tech. The reader knows it's tech. Okay, so the reader perception then has a lot to do with what side the trope falls on. I think on, it's mostly what it has to do with the reader perception. 
Not necessarily. I mean, it could yeah. easily be with the character sees or whatever, but so long as... I mean, specifically to your point, though, about Doctor Doom, is that in everything, most of the comics and most of the cartoons and everything else, the movies, it's portrayed as a scientific base. Why he has these extraordinary abilities and powers. Now, yes, a lot of the people in Latveria probably see it as magic, but from the way that it's mostly displayed, it's shown as tech. Since it's being written from the point of view of someone who sees it as tech. Yes. So it's the way it is shown, displayed, told of that determines whether it is sci-fi wizard or fantasy wizard, sci-fi tech fantasy wizard. To use your Q example, if you look at the proto-Q, which was done in the original Star Wars of the Squire of Gothos, behind his mirror was a computer system that was giving him full control over whatever he was what doing. What about the Wizard of Oz? Yeah. The Wizard Everyone of Oz. Everyone thought the Very Wizard was good. a wizard, but we find out that he's a normal dude like you or me. He just has technology they don't understand. But know? by the way, that was still a fantasy. It was work. still a fantasy because we were looking at it the entire time from the point of view that the wizard is a wizard right. and he has magic powers. And just because it's revealed at the end that it's technology-based doesn't mean that the whole story was sci-fi I unless we sci- knew. No, no, no. Where's the ruby know. slippers coming from? The magic yeah. of the ruby, the ruby slippers you. and the magic of the witches. I mean, yeah. that's all classically, you know... Thank you. That's what fantasy, the fantasy which it is. Mm-hmm. And the flying monkeys. <laughs> but then it sounds like the story predominantly is told as a fantasy. It so is. even it when is. the science is introduced, it does not change. You can introduce the some science into some fantasy. Story There's into wrong with a that. science. Well, like fiction. I said earlier, Artemis Fowl has so many fantasy tropes. It's a fantasy novel with a few some technology added to it. It's not really blending mm-hmm. sci-fi fantasy so much. Well, and I'm gl- going back to Jen. She raised the most beautiful pre-Star Wars science fantasy series. You had the idea of a Tin Man, the robot. There's your trope. And that trope kind of goes back to the invention or the plan, if you will, by Hero of Alexandria back in the ancient Roman Empire who developed the idea of the automaton. You had technology that was brought to Oz um, as well by... Outside of technology, didn't know, but yet you had the you had the witches, which is magic, good versus evil, magic. And I think that's also something a trope in fantasy. Correct me if I'm wrong, where it's constantly always good pitched against evil. Yes. Where science yeah. fiction, that doesn't that doesn't always necessarily have to happen. There's generally a villain in fantasy, right? right. Whereas I think um, now there's generally a villain in science fiction too. Yeah. Yeah. But some it, kind. Referring to, I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's one of those cross genre tropes because. It, it is such a big part remaining. of it, but it's not as often like Mother Nature is bearing down on everyone as it is. There's a specific villain. Right. It can be Mother Nature, but usually it's not the planet trying to kill you. One of the things, definitely, this episode. Don't drink the Sorry, yes, people, we do try to time this for you. Um, well, we were talking about lots of tropes of science fiction and fantasy. The fact is, the tropes are huge in number and every type of story includes some kind of trope from every kind of fantasy includes certain tropes of the readers are going to recognize and expect I think definitely if you somehow can write a fantasy without the tropes I don't know how but if you could it wouldn't be a fantasy or science it wouldn't (laughs) be a fantasy and then same thing with science fiction you won't have the same effect so every genre has its own basic set of rules that is an understanding between the writer and the reader. Right. And the tropes that we are discussing 
may fall in these different genres in different ways. But if you're in one genre, you need to follow the rules and the tropes that generally come with it are the ones you generally pull from. Generally. Even, generally. even if you recreate the trope. Still, rewrite the trope. <laughs> no, no, I was saying recreate on purpose, but rewrite it. Yeah. Um, it's still an expectation. If, so, if you have a fairy walking down Main Street, you better be writing a fantasy. So the tropes that we're talking about then, and that we unless notice, that Main Street's on another planet or a ship or something like that. But then it's an alien, there's... not a fairy. Well, no, it could still be a fairy. It could be from Earth. You know, fairies have entered into Starfleet now. Yeah. <laughs> so to a point, the tropes, the things that we recognize over and over and over in different stories of the same genre or overlapping genres are just things that we have seen before. And if something new pops up... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer an alternative. A trope is something someone from the outside of a story applies to something. The story should live on its own mm-hmm. and be its own thing. And then when you go to put it on a bookstore shelf, that's when tropes matter. Because yeah. you look at a book and you say, this is a confusing mess of words. I know what's in it. Let's see, it's got spaceships... And it's got Ents in it. The Ents are in the spaceships, though, so it's okay. I think we'll put it in the sci-fi section. Or someone else could walk up and say, man, the fact that the trees are alive make it a fantasy, and then put it in the fantasy section. Yeah. yeah. The tropes are there to help us sort it out. It's not there as a how-to list for how to write Yeah, because if you're writing tropes, you're probably going to write cliché. Yes. Because you're probably going to draw from all the classic tropes. You're probably going to draw from what we were talking about earlier with some of those classic clichés. And then that's going to define your story. Then, However, as Jennifer just said, you write the story, you write it the way you want, and let others decide which tropes you used. And having a trope in a story isn't bad either. No. Mm-hmm. No. Especially no, no, no. if it fits. But if you were told, hey, you're writing a fantasy, where are the elves? And then you got to shoehorn some elves in because you wanted to write a fantasy, that's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, not all fantasies need elves, even though I've mentioned them several times. <laughs> And I think what Brad and Jen are both saying is also a warning sign of ding, ding, ding of where do you want to be as a writer? Do you want to be on the A list or do you want to be on the B list? If you're relying on the tropes to tell your story, you're pretty much shot at B list. Um, I'm not so sure about that. I can think of A list out there. If you're relying on it, if you are... Using, using them, as a, using them point. as a setting up point, or you develop real characters out of that trope. Star Wars, R2-D2-C-3PO. You then end up be creating something much better than the B-list. That's my opinion. Take it for what you will. Well, there are classic books out there that have totally ripped off Star Wars, and they made money and got turned into movies themselves. Right. I think the difference you is... Know, the point is, it's still derivative of Star Wars. Uh, the difference is, are you writing something for the sake of writing it and loving it? Or are you writing a dystopia because The Hunger Games is big? Yeah. That would be That's writing true. to a trope. Writing to a trope or writing to a trend yes. is a different entity than writing something that you have inside that's been growing and gestating inside you and you needed to get it out and share it with people. That would be writing your story. Write it however it yes. feels, however it formed with all of its little hair sticking off of it. And let the publisher figure out if it's a fantasy or not. Well, and let it fall into as many tropes as you want. I mm-hmm. mean, that's not a problem. But write the story you want to tell. Don't try and write, you know, these ten tropes, I've got to get them all in. Last thought. 
I like the way you phrased it, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. You are. <laughs> I think you should close. I don't know what to say, so you should close. Well, in that case, I'll close. Okay, sounds with, good. With the thought that tropes should be used... I don't want to say it. I'm trying to think of this almost like a Twitter. <laughs> tropes are the way we classify things to make things easier on ourselves as readers. As a writer, don't they're, rely on them. Right. Write your story. Do what you want. Let other people worry about how they're going to dress it for its prom. I don't know. <laughs> Good enough by me. I think Yay! we can talk about that some more. Because we're now this is getting into something new. <laughs> All right. But unfortunately, we are running out of time. So, thank you for listening to Write Pack Radio. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, on Blog Talk Radio, and now on iTunes. Thank you. And theme songs for Write Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her. Right Pack Radio would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their office. STL Books is an online bookstore specializing in new and used high-quality literature, children's books, and books written by or about St. Louis. Please visit them online at www.stlbooks.com or find their store on the Amazon.com website.